good are the colour invitations? Thanks, Krista. Aren't they beautiful? Doesn't it just make you want to go? All right, are you good? Do you need a stretch? Do you need a stretch? Oh, I feel like I need a stretch. I've got a sore shoulder blade. Um, all right, we're feeling good? So good. Hands up who went to colour this year. Amazing. I'm so jealous. Bethany did in a beautiful purple dress down the back. I wish I got to go, but I'm, uh, it's called breastfeeding. I'm breastfeeding a child. So I remember I took Eden when she was, how old was Eden when I took her? Four months. I'm never doing that again, ever. And that's why I didn't go this year. <laughs> I do not, um, I wouldn't suggest taking a baby to a backpackers. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, I want to talk about Kingdom Queens tonight. Is that all right? Fabulous. Shall we pray? Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you that your word is for us, that your word uh, is your written revelation, that it's alive, that it's powerful, that it's active, and uh, it becomes alive in us, God. And I just pray that you would speak to um, all of us in the room tonight, Lord. I know you've just got something to say, and I pray that it would, uh, that it would be said. And uh, all the girls said... Amen. So good. I want to uh, speak from the book of Esther tonight. Go figure. Uh, so, you know, if you have a Bible, you're more than welcome to uh, open to the first chapter because we love Esther, don't we? It's kind of the, uh, the girl super chick, uh, superhero chick story of the Bible, isn't it? Um, it's the one we know and love and we know Esther well. But uh, I actually tonight, I didn't have on my heart to share predominantly on Queen Esther. I actually wanted to focus for uh, the majority uh, for this little time uh, on a different queen and, you know, most of us in the room know who Queen Esther is, okay? We know who she is. We know her story, most of us. Um, but hands up, who's heard of Queen Vashti? Queen Vashti, okay? Not all of us in the room. I want to look at Queen Vashti tonight. Uh, and and I, will, I, will, I will look at Esther um, in a little bit. But uh, the first chapter, I find it interesting. The first chapter of the book of Esther does not actually start with Esther, why does the first book, uh, the first chapter of the book of Esther not start with Queen Esther? In fact, it's devoted actually to another queen, to this Queen Vashti. And she only lasts for one chapter out of uh, the whole book and then we never hear of her ever again. And um, actually, the book doesn't even open. The first few sentences, the first uh, few passages of Scripture aren't even devoted to a queen. It's, they're devoted to a king. The book opens with a king, okay? And uh, this ancient king of the Old Testament, he's actually a pagan king from uh, a foreign land. But I, I found this story, the, the story that unfolds in the book of Esther is so profound. It's so profound because this completely foreign king in this faraway land and this whole story that unravels actually reflects this a far better and a far more perfect, more glorious, beautiful king that was going to come two and a half thousand years later. So can we bear that in mind tonight as we look at, as we draw principles from that story? Is that okay? That's good. All right. You can be responsive. That's fine. All right. So this king, the opening chapter of Esther, this king is... Um, 
he's throwing what seems to be the party of the century, okay? And, and the scripture is just goes into so much accurate uh, detail in, to describe this party that is, thro- that is throwing for his whole kingdom. And it actually goes into detail to tell us that he invites the important and the unimportant alike. Okay, and it, and it even goes right down to describing us what the cups are like. They are unique and they're gold and there's mother of pearl and it's purple and it's blue and there's silver and gold and it's just amazing. And it's describing all that belongs to this king. And basically the reason for having this party is that this extravagant, generous king, the Bible describes him as generous, is just showing off all that belongs to him and it's reflecting how glorious, luxurious and extravagant he is. Okay, so this is what the king is doing. We don't have time to read it tonight. But in the midst of this fantastic party and feast, the king calls his bride. He calls his queen and he calls Queen Vashti into his presence, okay? And the scripture says in um, verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, he called, he sent his servants to call Queen Vashti to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. For she was lovely to look at. And I love it. In uh, in verse (laughs) verse 9, it says, Meanwhile, meanwhile back at the ranch, Queen Vashti was throwing a separate party for women (laughs) inside King Xerxes' royal palace. (laughs) I love that. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, and... um, She's throwing a girls' night, and I, when I was when I was researching uh, for this uh, for this uh, message, I, had, I just have to read this too. It says rabbis explain, okay, that the party that uh, Queen Vashti was throwing was indeed different to the men's party, and she gave them different types of drinks that women like, and she would have served them a different manner of sweets that are favoured by women. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Maria, <laughs> and Daphne, for your look at matters. No, they <laughs> ours would ours our girls' night would have been way better because they didn't have the Holy Spirit like to jazz it up the way we do today. But um, I just thought that was hilarious. She's having a girls' night, okay? So, but here's the here's the bit that I want to focus on, okay? In verse twelve, it says. But when the servants conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. She refused to come. And you know what's really interesting is that nobody actually knows why she didn't come. The historians and the theologians and the researchers do not know. We can speculate, but we don't actually know why she refused to come when the king called her. The scripture does not say, and it's almost in its silence, and I am taking creative license here, but it's almost in the silence of the scripture that it just screams that no reason is good enough not to come when the king calls. But it's like it gives us... What I feel is that it's an invitation to us to fill the gap. It doesn't tell us why she didn't come, but it's almost an invitation for us to fill the gap with our own lives. Because why? Why Why did Queen Vashti not come when the king called her into his presence in order to display her in all her beauty to all the people in the kingdom, to all the people and the nobles, everyone? He wanted to display her. Why did she not come? Because actually... It was her royal duty as queen to come. It was her calling and her royal mandate. And she was under his authority. And my question is tonight, and where I want to journey for just a little bit, is this. What could possess a queen not to come when the king calls? What could possess a queen not to come 
when the king calls. Okay, so I'm going to just pull a little bit of um, creative license here and I'm just going to speculate a little bit because there are many reasons why the queen may not have come. And, and we're going to ask some questions tonight. Can we ask some questions? Why did the queen not come when the king called? Okay, maybe she was too preoccupied organising a girls' night. Okay, maybe the printer carked it and wouldn't print the flyers and we lost the guillotine. Because it's in the boot of my car. Okay, maybe she was preoccupied because actually she, she would have hosted it. She would have been the host and she would have, you know, had her hand over everything. She would have been hosting this separate girl's party, okay, still in the royal palace, separate from the king though, making it all nice and pretty with all the drinks and the food and all that sort of thing. Okay, so I'm thinking that it would not have actually been super convenient uh, for the king to call her right in the middle of this party okay because she would have been right in the thick of it she was right the scripture says meanwhile meanwhile this is what she was doing she was actually in the middle of something so the king probably interrupted her it's probably what you'd call an interruption all right and uh, a lot of the time when God calls us it isn't convenient and it isn't comfortable and sometimes it's not even logical okay and I I'm just literally feeling the scripture with my own life. This is what I'm doing right now because I do this. And I feel like if this is the reason why she didn't come, this is completely what I do. When I get on a mission, I become so consumed in doing that mission. I get tunnel vision and I become uninterruptible. Do you ever become uninterruptible? Do you ever become uninterruptible? I frequently become uninterruptible, okay, especially when there's laundry to do because it's the never-ending story of my life. And when I do housework, I get on a mission. And Paul does this thing, okay, (laughs) he's not here. So, you know, he does this thing and, you know, it makes him look like a really nice husband, but I'm pretty sure he does it to annoy me, but I can't be sure. But I get... (laughs) (laughs) Are we recording? No. Uh, He does this thing when I get on a mission doing the housework, okay, and I get tunnel vision and I'm like, I'm like task orientated, misses productivity. So I'm like, got to get stuff done. So like vacuuming, I vacuum four to 100 times a day because I have a toddler and it's like laundry, 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 baby clothes, toddler clothes, my clothes, Paul's clothes because he sweats all the time, okay. I have to keep doing the laundry, okay. And then he does this thing, he sees me when I'm on a mission and he interrupts me on purpose for a hug and a kiss. And it's, (laughs) yes, such a terrible husband. But seriously, like, it's the worst timing in the world. I'm like, thank you for being affectionate, but not now. I'm in the middle of doing your laundry. And he does do the laundry, by the way. So I'm not paying out on him. He does it all the time. But I don't want to be interrupted when I'm being productive and when I'm doing things and doing things that I'm actually supposed to do. Like, these are good things. They're not bad things, okay? I'm actually doing things that are good and beneficial for our house and I'm like can you not interrupt me like I get it I know you're gonna give me a hug but I'm just trying to do things and I I'm pretty sure he does it to he gets a little kick out of it okay but there has been times (laughs) there has been times when he's grabbed my shoulders and been like babe slow down okay I came home half an hour ago and you haven't noticed okay and he does say that to me it's a true story but you know who's worse than me Eden is worse than me my two-year-old. Have you ever tried to get a kiss off a two-year-old who's like focused on something? It's like, okay, quick, give me a kiss. No! <laughs> and like that's actually, she gets a grunt in her voice. And I'm like, just show me affection, Eden. And she doesn't do it. She doesn't do it. Oh, she's probably like me. 
<laughs> Revelation just dropped. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> what have I done? Anyway, <laughs> let's change the subject. No, okay, spiritual application for you girls here. <laughs> we do the same thing, honestly, if we're really honest, sometimes we do the same thing with God, don't we? Do we not do that? We get so busy with the tasks with the things, doing things for God instead of with God or just doing things. Like they don't have to be king. They're just things in our lives and we do them and they're good and they're not bad. But if we, can, if we get consumed by it and we get um, tunnel vision and we become uninterruptible, what tends to happen is that our priorities uh, become more important than his priorities and we lose sight of the king's priorities. Okay, doing the tasks, okay, no condemnation in here. It's not a bad thing. Doing the tasks is a good thing. We love Martha. We love Martha and we need Martha. Okay, doing the tasks is a good thing, but we uh, can't get so consumed in doing that we're too busy for God. Too busy to walk in our calling. And you know what I think God loves to do? I think God loves to interrupt us. I think he loves to interrupt us. We're in, we're in the middle of checking off the to-do list and we're feeling really productive and efficient and busy. And he comes right in the middle of it in the most inconvenient time just to remind us of what the heavenly priorities are and to remind us of what he's actually called us into. Does that make sense? Okay, the king has a calling a specific calling on our lives. But we get so caught up sometimes, okay? I get so caught up sometimes filling my life with other things and other tasks that I actually have no time to fulfill the calling of God on my life. Okay, we're all given 24 hours a day. We're all given seven days a week. So somehow that is enough time to fully walk in the calling of God upon my life. Okay, so if I'm too busy for God, there's something that needs to be adjusted and you know what you know what I felt like the Lord has told me it's simply an adjustment of priorities and it starts with the small decisions it's actually not as hard and mountainous as we think it is you know it's like okay kids are in bed in the middle of the day at the same time which is a genuine miracle okay this is precious this is a miracle okay I have probably what do you reckon Tiff an hour an hour 15 minutes for them to finish their nap 40 minutes. <laughs> we'll pray for you, okay? Uh, maybe I have a nap anointing. But anyway, this is a precious time in the middle of my day. What do I do? Do I finish the never-ending laundry? Or do I do all the things, all the housework and the things that I need to do? Do I answer the emails? Or do I, do I tithe this moment, this precious time to the Lord and open the Word of God and allow Him to speak into my life? You know what? I've done that so many times and it's such a small and seemingly insignificant decision to just choose to open the Word of God in a time when uh, it's inconvenient and you've got all these other things to do, you know, and you tithe that time to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to choose the Word of God, okay? I'm going to choose the Word of God. Here's my off widow's offering, Lord. And it's a seemingly insignificant decision, but it's potentially life-transforming. The reward of opening the Word of God even for 10 minutes of your day is potentially, it carries the seed, the potential to transform your life and lives around you. 
It's the little decisions. It's the small decisions, okay, that readjust because the king's priorities, this is my point, the king's priorities are the priorities. We have to consider the priorities of the king, our priorities, okay, and not always what seems practical and logical and efficient. Our king is a king of order, but it's, he's not always logical, is he? No. So we have to be interruptible. Turn to the person next to you say, be interruptible. Be interruptible. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we have to be interruptible. You can stop talking now. <laughs> Just kidding. But we have to be interruptible. And you know what else? We have to be brave. <laughs> We've got hecklers over there on the couch. I love it. You're interrupting me. Sonia, stop it. You're applying this too well. <laughs> you Look at these hecklers on the couch over here. They're like better than, they're doing, you are being better than Laurie. No, I love it. I thought Laurie was the best heckler in the church. Sonia, you're doing so much better. Okay, so, no, I love it. You can interrupt me. Just, yeah, no, you can interrupt me. Okay, come on now. All right, you have to be interruptible. And you know what else you have to be? You have to be brave. Okay, maybe Queen Vashti was scared. Okay, she had to go. He, she was being called into the presence of not just the king, but let's remember that there were thousands of people there. There were all the people and the nobles and the officials in the entire kingdom of Persia there. Okay, so a lot of us, were not actually scared to go into the presence of God. We're actually scared of people. Okay, because not many people would actually be comfortable doing that. He was the, what he was requesting of her. Not all of us would be comfortable standing in front of thousands of people just to be showed off. Does that make you feel comfortable? Maybe not, but here's the thing. It wasn't an issue of being comfortable or not. It was an issue of royal duty. It was her duty as queen to honour him and to honour the relationship she had with him. And that means she had to come when he called her. And you know what? Royal duty trumps our comfort zone as the king's bride. Royal duty, our duty as royalty, we are royalty, we are queens, we are queens of the king. Royal duty trumps our comfort zone as the king's bride. And you know what? When the king is calling us to do something, there's always, there's always a chicken line to cross. There's always a fear line to cross our fear. There's always a comfort zone to jump out of because the things that God has called us to do on planet earth for such a time as this can sometimes um, scare us a little bit. But you know what? It doesn't scare the king. And when he calls you, he is with you. Okay. So there's always, I find when God's calling you to do something, there's always an, um, an insistent voice of fear or insecurity or intimidation or um, accusation telling you why you should respond to the calling of the king on your life okay there's some of us who know the anointings and the giftings on our lives we know what the anointing is we know what the gift is and we know what God is calling us into but we refuse to come to where the king has called us to be because simply we're too afraid we're too not afraid of God but we're actually afraid of people you know Paul used to, my husband Paul he used to be afraid of that he knew what the giftings and the anointing on his life was and he wasn't scared of God. He had a very intimate relationship with God, but he was actually scared of people. He was scared of people and he was scared what it meant. He knew that once he stepped into his calling, people were going to turn and they were going to look and he had fear that he had to deal with. Okay, But here's the best part of this dynamic here. All right, 
the king calls her simultaneously into his presence and before all the others. So if she had just responded to the call of the king, he would have been right there with her the entire time. Because when the king calls us, he doesn't leave us. When I believe when the king calls you, when he calls you, when he's calling you into the destiny, into the purpose, into the calling he has and the position he has over your life, he doesn't leave you. In fact, that's where his presence is. I think there's a dynamic there. When he calls you, he simultaneously calls you into your destiny and into his presence. It's almost like he gives you um, an incentive with his presence. He's like, come, come on, come into what I've positioned for you. Come into your calling. Come on, step over the line because you're going to step into my presence at the same time. And where my presence is, fear is not because love drives out fear. So it's like we've got a chicken line to cross over, but there's no fear where he is. Does that make sense? We need his presence. Okay, he's gone ahead and prepared it for us and you know if we're not feeling the presence of God in our lives maybe there's a few chicken lines we've got to cross maybe he's called us to where his presence is maybe he's gone ahead and prepared a place for us that we've just got to step into and he's waiting he's waiting he's waiting for us you know the scripture says he called her into his presence literally to show her off, to display her to all the people because she was lovely to look at. Do we know that we're lovely to look at? Do we actually believe that? That you are lovely to look at? Here, Psalm 45, 11. Be here. The king is wild for you. Since he's your Lord, adore him. Other translations say the king is enthralled by your beauty the king is enthralled by your beauty you know the king king xerxes when he called when he called queen uh, vashti into his presence and before the people he requested that she wear her royal tiara because a royal tiara is a symbol of beauty and um, royal status And he was showing off, this king was showing off all that belonged to him, remember, the party. He's showing off to all the people everything that belonged to him because it was a reflection of him. And so here he's waited to the very last day of the feast, the very last day of the party for the grand finale of all that belonged to him. Queen Vashti was the most beautiful, the best reflection of him because when she appeared before all the people in all her beauty, beauty and in all her glory she was a reflection of his beauty and his glory she was literally a reflection of him so that is why the king wanted to display her and you know it's the same with king jesus he did not create you to hide you okay you are beautiful and you have a royal status and your beauty and royal status in heaven by christ jesus actually needs to be displayed to the world do we believe that okay so when you actually step into your calling step into your calling in beauty and authority wearing your royal tiara you actually reflect a king it's actually less about you and more about him and when you step into that you reflect a king to a world that actually really needs to see him you know Isaiah 52 
verse 1 and 2 says, Wake up, wake up, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem, and sit in a place of honour. It's calling us to actually sit in the royal place of authority that he has already given us. And verse 7, we love this verse, okay? How beautiful, everyone say beautiful. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation. You know, we need to realize that we are worthy to be displayed. Some of us need to know that tonight, that you are worthy to be displayed and you are actually designed to be displayed. You are designed to be displayed and you know sometimes we think our past and our sin and our failures and our mistakes try and tell us that we're not worthy to respond to this call on our lives we're not worthy to come into the presence of the king even when he's the one calling us and we're not worthy certainly not worthy to be displayed before all the people to display the beauty and the royalty of the king to the people in our schools in our communities in our church in our families in our workplaces But you have to remember, this is what we need to remember, girls. We are queens, not because of anything that we've done, but we are queens and we have that status because of the king and because of what the king has done. Amen? Is that the gospel? Is that the gospel? Yes. Okay, we are a queen because of the saving relationship that we are in with the king. And he gave us the crown. He gave us a crown. He gave us a title. He gave us authority. And he gave us a position in his kingdom. And so this is it. We are worthy to be displayed. And this is actually part of our calling. We are beautiful to thirsty souls who are seeking a beautiful king. Ephesians 2, verse 7 to 10. I just want to read it. It says, Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. You know what happens when we don't join in with God? When we don't actually step into our destiny and authority as kingdom queens? What happens is we let the mindset of fear or or busyness or misplaced Uh, priorities or uh, unworthiness be the crown over our minds it's the queen vashti crown we don't know the reasons that she didn't respond to the calling of the king but whatever they were that was the crown that was the mindset the attitude that we had and you know what happens in the end you know what happens to queen vashti she gets abdicated She gets abdicated from her throne. She forfeits her authority. She forfeits her position. She forfeits her rule and her reign and her impact on the nation and her her influence. And ultimately and literally, she forfeits her tiara. You know, the king abdicates Vashti from the throne. And the scripture says she's cut off from his presence. And the king begins his search for a new queen. Now listen. 
In Esther chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, Esther was taken, Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted in her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Okay, now we don't have time to go into the whole story tonight, but most of us know the story of Esther. Okay, she becomes queen. And from that position of rule and authority, she turns the evil plans of um, Haman, who wanted to kill her people, the Jews, just this evil demonic plan that was going to wipe out the whole nation of Jews. She turns that whole plan on its head and ultimately saves her people. She actually saves a nation, listen, because of her position and relationship with the king. The impact that she had on her people and on her nation was completely dependent on the position and relationship and favor she had with the king. And you know what? She goes willingly of her own accord into the presence of the king. She chooses. It's her plan. She chooses to go into the presence of the king and basically asks him to save her people. And we know what happens. The king extends the royal scepter and it's a symbol of favor and it's a symbol of grace. And it's a symbol saying, here is my, I'm extending my authority as king to you. So you take this authority, you take this rule and reign and you go and do what you need to do to bring about salvation in this land. And so the enemy ends up dead. Esther remains as queen and her people, God's people, end up saved. And that's the story. So basically she has favor and grace from the king, which positioned her to save her world. But it was her willingness to go into his presence that did that. And this is what we need to realize in this story. We're both Queen Vashti and we're Queen Esther. If you look at the story, the first chapter of this book, it only dedicates one chapter to Queen Vashti and she represents the old mindsets. She represents old covenant, old testament, old past. And then the whole other nine chapters of the verse uh, of the book are dedicated to Queen Esther and she represents the New Testament church, the new anointing, the grace and favor that is upon women, that is upon God's girls, that is upon the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ to impact and change the world. Amen. And look how much focus that the scripture dedicates to the old and look how much focus it dedicates to the new. One chapter, nine chapters. God is much more focused about our present and our future and what he's called us into and what he's called us to impact than what has happened in our past. Amen. So good. Come on, give Jesus a big... Thank you. Yeah. You know, one queen changed her nation and the other queen didn't. What was the difference? They were both renowned for being beautiful. They were both young. They were both brides of the queen, king, sorry, <laughs> that'd be scary. And they were both given the same amount of authority. And they were both given the same tiara. What was the difference? Well, you know what? One used her kingdom authority and the other didn't. One actually valued the presence of the king and willingly went into it and the other didn't. <laughs> she held a separate girls night with all girlfriends <laughs> but ultimately and this is what I want to get to tonight one responded to the call of the king and simply the other one didn't respond she refused 
And you know what, girls? It actually really is that simple at the end of the day. This is what it comes down to. Do you respond to the calling of the king or not? Do you respond or do you refuse? And here's what I really want to say tonight. In order for Esther to rule and reign, Vashti actually has to be abdicated. She has to take that tiara off her head. She has to be abdicated from the throne in order for Esther to take over. Okay, there's a Vashti and there's an Esther in all of us. Okay, we all wrestle with mindsets of fear and busyness and unworthiness, whatever it is, we wrestle with it. But it's an attitude, you know, it's Vashti's crown. A crown goes over your mind. It's a mindset and we wrestle with it. But in order for us to wear Esther's crown, the crown of favor and grace, we need to take off the old mindset. We need to take off Vashti's tiara. You know, I found out a funny thing about tiaras as I was preparing for this message. You know, they actually come with a royal code. Did you know that? They come with a royal code and um, they are supposed to traditionally, okay, in more ancient times, they are supposed to be worn only for nighttime affairs, evening and nighttime affairs only. They're not to be worn during the day and they are given as wedding gifts, as a wedding gift. Do you get that? The wedding gift, you're saved. You're saved, you're in a relationship with your bridegroom Jesus and he's given you a tiara, hello. But here's the thing, evening affairs, the hour is getting late. The hour is getting late and we are much closer, it seems, to the final victory than the victory of the cross. And as predicted in the scriptures, the world is getting darker and darker. Okay, we've heard about that tonight from Glennis and Sue and the things that happen. The world is getting darker. But also, as predicted, the church is getting brighter and brighter. But here's the thing. It's an evening affair now. The hour is late. It's a nighttime affair. And so now is more a time than ever for us to wear our tiaras, for God's girls to put on the tiara, to put on Esther's crown and actually step into our position that the king has called us into all right yes yes the hour is late okay and you know what we cannot we cannot rule and reign and be given a position to change and save a nation or nations (laughs) we can't make that happen if we're still wearing Vashti's crown and you know when Esther was faced with the challenge in the darkness of her day okay her people were being threatened with death when she was faced with this um darkness she's challenged by her cousin lovingly he's not a condemning challenge he lovingly challenges her and he says you know what in esther 4 verse 14 he says you know what who knows maybe you were made queen for such a time as this maybe maybe this is the whole reason you were even in your position and you know what esther is us this is what we've got to do this is what we've got to realize esther represents the new new testament church the church of jesus christ and you know i'll affectionately affectionately call it the esther anointing the esther anointing is the anointing of the holy spirit that wants to pour grace over us and extend favor to us and grant authority to us and prepare prepare positions for us to change and influence our worlds and it's actually an anointing of the holy spirit that's been poured out and we can receive that anointing 
anything if we want to. We can actually receive the power of the Holy Spirit to change our worlds if we want it and if we're willing to take off the old crown because you can be in his kingdom and not in his presence. Queen Vashti was in the royal palace, but she was separate from the presence of the king. Do you realize that? You can be in the kingdom of God and separated from his presence because he's calling you over here, but you're staying over here for whatever reason it is. I don't know. You know, Queen Vashti was called deeper and closer into his presence and called into her royal duty, um, but she refused. And you know, you can be in the kingdom of God and refuse the calling of the king. You actually can do that. He's a God who honors choice. But what happens is we forfeit. You forfeit your authority and your impact and your influence that you could have in your world. And you don't have to do that. And the bottom line is, and I'm going fi- to finish now if the girls want to come up, going to finish with a little bit of um, prayer but if the worship team want to come up I want to finish with this question which queen are you going to be which crown are you going to wear what mindset are you going to allow to define your destiny your calling your lifestyle what mindset what attitude are you going to allow to define the next season of your life You might be in the kingdom of God, but are you in your calling? Are you in your God-given destiny? You know, he's called us to take off and shake off that Queen Vashti mindset. And, you know, that mindset, that attitude, it'll give us plenty of reasons not to respond to the call of God on our lives. But, you know, we've got to silence that voice, the reasoning, the logic of Queen Vashti. We've got to silence that voice and rise up into our Esther calling, yeah? Yeah. It's a royal mindset. (laughs) You know, I believe Jesus is here, King Jesus, beautiful, generous King, gracious King. He's here and he's present here tonight. He's smiling on us, delighted in us. He adores us. He's wild for us. He's enthralled with our beauty. And you know what I see? I just see him right now reaching out King Jesus right now reaching out to you to us and just readjusting readjusting crowns and just giving people crowns giving us tiaras giving us what we need the favor the grace the anointing the power to do what we need to do I believe that I believe that Jesus actually Denise can I get you to come up here where's Denise come up here Denise I believe Jesus is um He wants to restore tiaras tonight. That's what I see. He wants to restore tiaras. That's what he wants to do. He wants to restore mindsets, renew them, restore them. And you think maybe some of us have lost our tiaras. Maybe they're kind of like lopsided, hanging in our head, swinging around. (laughs) Every time I try and wear a hat. (laughs) Um, You know, some, some of us may have just thrown our tiara off in despair. I don't know. Or it might have got shaken off with bumpy circumstances. But you know what? King Jesus, he has the power to restore, readjust, reposition that tiara or just simply grant us a brand new one right on the spot if we ask for it. If we're ready to receive it, that's what he does. That's what he's in the business of doing. Amen. I was going to pray, but I might get you to pray and do what you need to do because you're super prophetic. So do something. Do something. <laughs> okay, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just really pray tonight, Lord. 
I just pray that you will just really seal that word to us. That God, wherever we might fit in your body at this point in time, whatever you have us doing, Lord, I just pray that we will see clearly what our placement is. See clearly how you see us, not as we see ourselves. And Father, I just really pray that you will just open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us at every opportunity, at every instance that we can. Father, I just thank you for that amazing story of Esther. There's so much there, Lord God, and I just pray that as each of us takes that story home, Father, I pray that we would just let that dwell in our hearts and let you speak into our lives specifically the things we need at this point in time. Father, we just thank you so much. You're amazing. You are just so amazing. going to wait on the Lord tonight for a little while. If you want to have some prayer for any reason, we're going to ask you to come out. We're going to do it a little bit differently to how we do it normally in church because we're also going to be waiting on God to hear from God for you, for a word. Now, I don't know who needs this tonight, but as I got up to come out here, I clearly felt the Holy Spirit say, make sure you've got tissues out the front, someone needs them. It might be me. One of the things the Lord told me back at a Hillsong many years ago that Sue and I went to, um, he just really showed me that one of my areas of ministry was to minister to people and just love on them, but to pray for them, to intercede for them, and that I'd shed a lot of tears doing that. So if you ever see me crying in church, it may not necessarily mean that I'm devastated and a mess. Well, I might just be devastated and a mess anyway, but it might just be the Holy Spirit moving through me. And um, I often, when I pray for other people, I'll often cry on their behalf. 